Father, help us to hear. Father, help us to draw to You. Help us to be overwhelmed by Your presence, by Your purposes. Father, help us to have eyes to see. Help us to have ears to hear. How awesome, how wondrous the resurrection truly is. Father, as we draw your people called by your name, that we bow to the King of kings and Lord of lords and live lives overwhelmed in the power of the resurrection. To your glory and praise. Amen. Verse 20, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection from the dead. As, <clears throat> for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are of Christ at his coming. And then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power for he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet and he says all things are put into subjection. It is evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. We're looking at what I have kind of given as a, 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 an overview as the resurrection plan. I break it down into three parts, the Redeemer, the Redeemed, and the Restoration. And, and what Paul is dealing with here is those who would come along and say, well, I believe that Christ was raised, but I'm, I don't think that it has really a, an impact or anything on us who, who remain here. Uh, Christ, it's easy to believe that Christ has been raised. And the reason that it's easy to believe that Christ has been raised, well, he's the son of God and it's not that big a deal. I mean, you would expect the son of God to be raised. That's what we're looking at. And last week we looked at it and we've seen there that Christ has been raised. Verse 20. He is the first fruits. Okay. The first fruits is the guarantor. The first fruits was the offering in Leviticus that said, because I trust you, God, because I love you, God, I will give you first. I give to God first. Why? Because my love for God is so compelling that I trust him so much that I'll give him first, knowing his guarantee to give back to me. Okay. And what we're looking at here is the Redeemer's resurrection. He is the first truth. He is the guarantor. He is the guarantor. But remember, and I concluded last week's message with a term where it speaks of in Colossians, where it speaks of he was the firstborn of the dead. And everybody says, well, I thought there were other people who had been raised from the dead. And there is. But that's prototokost. Okay, in 
firstborn of the dead in Colossians has nothing to do with a number. It has to do with preeminence. Okay, now think about it for a second, because if he was the prototokos, the most important to be raised from the dead, then guess what? He is the guarantor of the harvest. He is the guarantor of the harvest. Okay, so I wanted to move now into what is the harvest? And he makes a statement here of those who are asleep. That'd be a given Sunday morning church service. All those napping people will <laughs> are guaranteed resurrection. No. Listen, it's not soul sleep. I've heard people try to describe it as soul sleep. You know, that when a, when a believer in Jesus Christ dies, uh, they, they go take a, a big dirt nap. And, and, and they hang out there until... Uh, the divine alarm clock awakens them. Uh, no, and it's like I said, it's not napping. Okay, what is the context? Bodily resurrection. So what is he talking about those who are asleep? This is death. He's talking about a bodily death. When that bodily rests. Okay? It, is, is, it is from death to death, from this physical as, as a sleep for the body. The body stops. It ceases. All right. Now listen, I want to share with you, this is not complicated, and we try so hard to make this complicated. Okay? At the death of a believer, instantaneously, the soul is with the Lord. Okay, it didn't go take a nap. It doesn't go to purgatory. It doesn't go to a holding tank. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. All right? One that I think that we miss a lot, and, and, and I find it fascinating because I, I really like this text because I kind of understand what the apostle is dealing with here. It comes out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. He says, But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Verse 24 says, Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. See, the apostle Paul understood that once he died, where was he going? He's going to be with Christ. And he says, that's far much better. Okay, have you watched the saints in the church today? They want to stay here. They want to stay here. Why? Why? Um, just this week, uh, there was a, a young man, I think he was three years old, was killed at an ice cream stop store up in... Uh, Aurora, and everybody says, how tragic it is for that young man to die. Not if he knew Christ. Actually, if a three-year-old dies and gets to go see Jesus, I'm envious. Because you understand how much heartache and sorrow and pain you have been bypassed by? Do you, do you understand? I remember one time speaking with my great-grandfather, who lived to be... Uh, 104, 103. And, and I remember sitting and talking to him. It was at his 100th birthday. And I remember sitting and talking to him. And, and, you know, and he was just sharp as a tack. 
and he says, you know what? I got, I got a ticket. He said, in my life, I got a ticket for rearing a horse. He says, you would call it popping a wheelie. He says, and yet I've seen man walk on the moon. He says, but my greatest heartache is I outlive my family. His wife and his kids were all dead. And now, now he had grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids and things like that. He says, but his family had all died. I thought that was fascinating because most of us want to live indefinitely. But the Christian at his his or her death immediately goes in the presence of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says, that would be more better. And I'm sitting there going, duh. Absolutely. All right. But the body, this container, sleeps, awaiting resurrection. Now, I like this because I, I think about my wife. My wife always has this thing with me that she says... But could you say it a different way? Okay, she says, what you said was true, but could you say it a different way? And I read this here, and I think my wife likes this because Paul said it a different way. Christ has been raised, the first fruit of those who are rotting in the ground. That's how I would have said it. And he says, no, those who are asleep. And that would have been saying it better. That's why God doesn't want me <laughs> to write the Bible. Okay? Paul has a nice way of saying it. They are asleep. Okay? I would say, no, they're worm bait. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay? The body, the earthen vessel, is sleeping, awaiting its resurrection. The resurrection... Now listen, the resurrection of this unique one person, have, how does it have such an effect on so many people? Because see, that's where the argument is going to come from. See, they're trying, they're trying to deny it. Verse 12, he says, why is some of you can say there is no resurrection? How did you get saved? What do you stand in? What did you believe in in our gospel message? Resurrection of Christ. So the common argument that would come out of this is, well, okay, Christ was God incarnate. All right, yeah, raised from the dead and all the rest of it, but it has no effect on us. And that's what the Apostle Paul deals with here, dealing with the resurrection of the Redeemer. What does it mean when you hear of the resurrection of the Redeemer? Basically... All people are going to come out of the grave. All who believed in Christ, all believe what Jesus did are going to be raised. How can a resurrection of one man have such an impact on so many? And that would be the argument. I hear the argument today. I hear the argument today. Verse 21 and 22. Paul answers this. He says it's a simple principle. It's a very simple principle. For since by a man came death, by a man came the resurrection from the dead. Okay? 
It's really easy. By one man, death came. Who was the one man who brought death upon the human race? Adam. Adam. One man doing one thing brought death to mankind. Now listen, let's be realistic. Adam was a simple man. Okay? God created Adam. God created woman. And he said, here it is. And there's one thing you cannot do. One thing. Okay? Eve said, I will. Adam said, me too. Okay? And at that point, we all fell. We all fell. He is our father. Uh, The Bible describes that we are of the loins of Adam. Okay? It is in our nature. We will talk about it. Sin is our nature. Where did that nature come from? Adam. Our father. That's where it all came from. When Adam died, we all died. We all came into the world by who? Adam. We're all in that line. I don't care. Jew, Gentile, we're all in that line. Okay? And we all went down the drain with Adam. That is a non-negotiable. Listen, look at all the cemeteries and tell me that ain't true. By one man, it all came. I mean, this is Romans 5. All have sinned in Adam. And the death principle was passed to all men and all women. Why? We are all of Adam's seed. It's kind of funny. I I hear everybody wanting equality. And I keep thinking, we've got it. (laughs) But I want to be equal. You are. Guaranteed. All right? Listen, the one act of one man at one time, at one point in history, at one place in history, has affected every human being that has ever lived or will ever live. Please understand that. You know, I got people say, well, how can you believe in the Bible? Well, the Bible says wages of sin is death. And I can see that. It is so evident. See, that's Paul's point here. If one man can do one thing and cause the death to be passed on to all men, then why can't one man do one thing and cause life to be passed on to all men? All right? See Paul's point? And you can see his argument. You you can understand why he's arguing it. Why? Some would say, okay... Christ, God incarnate, he raised from the dead. Amen. Okay? But let's be realistic. At the church in Corinth, the church in Rome, the church here, I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. Have you? And yet life has been passed on. Listen, you cannot isolate the resurrection anymore, the Apostle Paul is saying. If you can isolate the resurrection, then why don't we isolate the act of Adam? You can try. I watch people who try. I mean, this new phenomenon where they're 
trying to take the heads off of people and freeze them so that when the disease that their body has is um, that a cure is found for, they can put them back together and look, we got Ted Williams again. Okay? He's still going to be a really old baseball player. All right? Listen, there's a text that I... And I shared it with you already. It's out of the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. I want to read this because I believe that the body of Christ needs to know this. Okay, he starts it out with a therefore. Just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but the sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, and even those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God by the gift By the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from the transgression resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through the one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many have been made righteous. And law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Brothers and sisters, every Christian should know that should use that, they should read that, and they should understand that, and they should be overwhelmed by it. Okay? Because you don't have to be a deep theologian to say, sin entered through Adam, and we all have to be of Adam. Right? I mean, that that doesn't take (laughs) rocket science. Or a degree in theology. And yet I read the text there. Here's what I want you to think. I read the text in Romans 5, 12 to 20. But I want you to think about it. Which letter was written first? Romans or 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians. So he's already used the analogy. And he says this analogy is extraordinarily strong. This text here is the first use of the fact that there was a uniqueness in the person of Adam and there was a uniqueness in the person of Christ. 
One man brought death. You know what's funny about this? If you speak to Jews today, do you understand that no Jew would argue this? But let's be realistic. Can you really argue against it? Can you say that we are all of Adam and all die? Absolutely. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Listen, here's one of the amazing things about Judaism today. They believe in a thing that is called racial solidarity. Okay? They believe in racial solidarity. Everyone in this is all together. Why? We are all of the race, all of the loins of Adam. We all get the privilege of dying. And you know what? Nobody really gets to pick when. <laughs> because the Jews will teach you that it is the, solid, the, solid, the racial solidarity is the solidarity of guilt. All of sin and all come short. We're all in it. We're all in it. Okay, now I want to, in verse 22, he gets specific. All right, he's showing here the argument. How can you say that Christ has raised from the dead, but none of the others have raised from the dead? It has no impact. And his argument is, that's like saying that the sin of Adam had no impact. Okay, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever read in Genesis where they're preparing for Noah? Do you understand up until uh, a few years before Noah's birth, you know who's still alive? Adam. And he is looking at what he reaped. He can look and see that he was the first fruits of a tremendous harvest. See Adam's uniqueness? You know, and I hear people say, well, Adam, you know what? If it hadn't been Adam, it had been you. It had been me. One of us would have done it. I mean, we like to beat up Adam over it, or in some cases, we like to blame Eve for it. But the truth of the matter is, we're all guilty. One of us would have done it. Now he gets specific here in verse 22. Now I want you to watch this. This is, this is, this, oh, this is good stuff. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all die, all, or all are made alive. All right, now watch what he does here. Very specific. We all die. Okay, anybody want to argue that? I, I wouldn't argue that. Okay, I can go see the graves. There's no question about it. We all die. Okay, why? One man did one thing. We all die. Okay, Paul's argument is this. Why not one man do one thing and all live? That's the argument. Okay, now listen, look at the uniqueness of Adam in history. Look at the uniqueness of Jesus in history. Okay, and I mean, if you really wanted to call it, they're both first fruits. 
Okay, I'm thinking that you will not find Adam defined as the prototokos, the preeminent. I'm pretty sure about that. All right. Paul's point, it depends on who that one man is. The one man brought death. The one man brought life. Adam stood in a very unique place in human history. His place technically was as unique as Christ's place. Okay? People out there today live their lives, and they may not verbalize it, but they do live their lives. They says, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but it has no effect on anyone else. Okay, now watch something here. I want to show you something here. This is really good. Look what he says. For as in Adam... How many died? All. So also, in Christ, how many will be made alive? Ooh. That sounds like universalism. Doesn't that sound like universalism? All right. The key there is all and in. All and in. All right. All here is not a parallel. Okay, it isn't all that were in Adam or all that are in Christ. Okay, there's the head of the evangelistic community for the American Baptist. Okay, do you know who the American Baptists are? Okay, they're based out of uh, uh, Minnesota in that area. Uh, You know one of the American Baptists. He's well known. John Piper is an American Baptist. He does not believe this, by the way. Okay, but if you've heard the teaching on open theism, it comes out of the seminary that is run and maintained by the American Baptists. The head of evangelism in the American Baptists has made this statement. It is not our responsibility to have people receive salvation, it is our responsibility to announce to them that they are saved. Okay? Do, do, do. You're saved. Sort of like the umpire. See? All right? Listen. Anybody who believes that is obviously not reading their Bible. Broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many there are on it that does not take a lot of theological understanding to see that. No one in Holy Scripture taught more on hell and condemnation than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Okay? So now then, by one man all died, by one man all are made alive. How in the heck do I resolve that? Okay, now look at what it says here in. Those who are in Adam all die. Those who are in Christ are all made alive. All right. Here's what you need to understand about the phrase in and all. Okay, first, it depends upon the link with the man who died. It depends upon the link with Christ who lived. Okay, anybody here try to break their link with Adam? It's a little, little tough, isn't it? 
So all who are in Adam, all who are linked with Adam, do what? Die. Guaranteed. All who are in Christ, all who are linked with Christ, live. Okay? The all has to be connected to the individual and his work. That's the phrasing that Paul uses. Listen, by natural descent, okay, I am a descendant of who? Of Adam. Therefore, I am linked to him and his work. Has anybody here taught their kids how to lie? Has anybody here teach their children how to lie? Okay, where do they learn that from? Is there a school that teaches your children, this is lying 101? Where do, where do our children learn that from? Because they have a natural descendant order to who? Adam. That's where it came from. Okay? And all who have a supernatural descendants to Christ will live. Do you see that? I mean, if you think about it here... I, to be in Adam. What the heck does that mean? Did I go into Adam? Am I hanging out inside of Adam? Did I pass through Adam? No. You are linked in him. His nature, his actions, his works are yours by nature. But now there's a supernatural side. The Apostle Paul uses a phrase that I that, that is my email address. He, he's, he's the only one of the New Testament writers who uses it. Why? Because it overwhelmed him. You know what it's called? In him. Okay? It doesn't mean I just walked in and became one with Jesus in the spec that he's standing here and I'm standing right in the middle of him. And yet in the truth of the matter is, I am. Why? I am linked to Christ and his works. Listen, there's a supernatural descendants from Christ that I now am a child of God. Now, Romans tells me I was adopted. Okay, but that works for me. See, that's the point. See, all of who you are in. Listen, if you're in Adam, you die. All. If you are in Christ, you live. All. But you're either going to be in one or you're going to be in the other. Okay, you can't say, well, I'm Switzerland. I'm not in either one. I'm going to be neutral. No, you're either in Adam or in Christ. And all who are in Adam die. All who are in Christ live. The impact of the resurrection of the Redeemer has an effect on all who are in Christ. 
So when you see the sleep, those who had fallen asleep would be the physical bodies waiting its resurrection. Those who are in Christ have life. Now, I watch this because it says that this is a, a, the first fruit, the guarantee, the source. Okay? The source of death is who? The source of life is Christ. Why? Adam didn't get up out of the grave. Christ did. A bodily, physical resurrection. It's literal. That's his context here. Please hold his context. Because he's not... You know, I've had people say, well, this is the spiritual and this is the physical. You know what? Yes! But his context is specific. What's his specific? It's physical. We're talking a physical, literal, bodily resurrection. If death, physical, bodily, literal death came through Adam, then a physical, bodily, literal resurrection came through Christ. Now, I I do want to, the emphasis here is definitely the body, but I do want you to know something. Those who are in Adam right now, though their bodies are still functioning, they are dead spiritually. Not only are they dead spiritually, they are dead even in the physical sense. What are they going after? What are they accomplishing? What are they chasing? Those who are in Christ, though now I'm in this, still in this earthen vessel, I still have life and I have it abundantly and I have a spiritual life that is alive in pursuit of the things of God that I never had before. So there is a resurrection event that takes place instantaneously upon entering into Christ. Because now I am a descendant of Jesus Christ. And I do the works of my Lord and my Savior. Okay? But understand, this context here, is specifically speaking of a literal bodily resurrection, raising the body from the grave. Bodies die because of Adam's sin. Bodies live because of Christ's resurrection. Okay? So when you read this text and it says, For as in Adam all die, those who are associated, those who are descendants of Adam will all die. But those who are in Christ, all. I mean, Adam brought sin and disobedience. Christ brought faith and life. All based on resurrection power. Resurrection power. So then, in the resurrection plan, do you see the impact of a resurrected Redeemer? You know what's amazing about this? It's the only religious system that exists on the planet Earth right now that has a resurrected Redeemer. Not only does it have a resurrected Redeemer, it said it would have a resurrected Redeemer. And because of His resurrection, you are spiritually alive. And because of His resurrection, you are literally alive physically even this day. Now there comes a point in each of our lives when we will shed this tent, this veil, this this temporary earthen vessel. But even when that earthen vessel goes to the ground in sleep, it will do what? 
be preparing for the bodily resurrection. Which brings me to point two, verse 23, the redeemed, and we'll pick that up next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the amazing truth that we are in you. Father, help us to rest there. Help us to focus there. Help us to walk there. Father, you tell us if we seek your kingdom and your righteousness, all things will be added to us. Help us. Help us, Lord. Our fallen nature wars against your spirit. Lord, I would ask that you would continue to draw us into that place, that Sabbath rest. Joshua could not provide. And yet, Father, you have given freely of your son. Father, help us be children who understand Romans 5, 12 through 21. Lord, that we would draw deep at that, understanding that through one man, death came. And through another man, Christ Jesus brought life everlasting. Father, let us be overwhelmed by your presence. Let us be overwhelmed by your purposes. And Father, let us be overwhelmed by the resurrection power that indwells your people. We walk in a manner worthy of our calling. To your glory and praise. Amen.